0: Welcome everyone to 1001 Stories of the Old West. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and it's great to be with you today. There are few periods in history that offer as much excitement and drama as does the American migration westward in the 19th century. The American frontier offered freedom and a new life to tens of thousands of people who were willing to give it a chance. Many of them were from east of the Mississippi, and still others were immigrants from other countries. All colors, all backgrounds, rich and poor, it didn't matter they had one thing in common. They all came for a chance to build a new life. These were their stories, called from autobiographies, newspaper accounts, historical writers, and diaries, mostly written by or narrated to writers by people who were there and experienced it. I'll be sharing stories that take in the American frontier, which I define basically as everything west of the Mississippi by 1830, as well as the American southwest, loosely called the Old West. You can expect to get some great history here, as well as hours of entertaining and informative accounts. Send us reviews and share with your friends who enjoy the West and its stories. That's all we ask. And now, this week's story. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Stories from the Old West. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and it's great to be with you today. Most of you know the story of the shootout at the O.K. Corral in Tombstone, Arizona, which occurred on the mid-afternoon of October 26, 1881 involving the Earp brothers, Wyatt, Virgil, and Morgan, and their friend, Doc Holliday, as they settled a feud between them and the Clantons and McClareys. For those of you who would like to get the story behind the story, so to speak, of that shootout, just search your podcast app or Google for Wyatt Earp plus 1001 heroes for our two-episode special. What most of you don't know, I'm betting, is the story of Doc Holliday's common-law wife, Big Nose Kate, who was there watching from her and Doc's second-story room at Fly's boarding house, which overlooked the scene of the gunfight, and she finally talked about what she saw years later in the 1930s. You might remember the 1965 John Wayne movie called The Sons of Katie Elder. Well, Katie Elder was a real person, although the story had nothing to do with the real Katie Elder's life. She was a real person whose long life took in a big slice of the Old West and did so using any number of alternate names, which included Big Nose Kate, Kate Fisher, nosy Kate, Mrs. John H. Holliday, Kate Melvin, and Kate Cummings. Although she might have long since forgotten it, her real name was Mary Catherine Herony, and she was born in Hungary in 1850. She was the daughter of a wealthy physician and was well educated. She could speak four languages, but that wasn't the life she ended up with. She ended up in the American West. Kate lived a long and full ninety years. Dying in 1940, being buried under the name Mary Kate Cummings in Prescott, Arizona. Even at her death, legend has her being slain with a stray bullet fired by a drunk in the Brewery Gulch Saloon in Bisbee, Arizona. If you've ever been to Bisbee, Arizona, they've done quite a lot with that little town. So if you're out that way, stop by for a day. Some historians of the Old West believe she was Mrs. Doc Holliday. And some don't. The way I always heard it was that she was his common-law wife. Either way... She was quite a bit more than the plains woman that revisionist history books call her. Kate herself never denied that she was a rip-roaring, hard-drinking, gunslinging prostitute. Here's the skinny on how she ended up in the West. In 1862, Dr. Herony left Hungary for Mexico to accept a position as personal surgeon to Maximilian of Mexico. When Maximilian's government crumbled in 1865, Dr. Herony took his family to Davenport, Iowa. Mama Herony died in March followed by Dr. Hironi in May that same year, 1865. Both died of unknown causes, and 14-year-old Kate was placed in the foster home of Otto Smith. At the age of 17, Kate left Smith and stowed away on a steamboat to St. Louis, Missouri. Upon discovering his stowaway, Captain Fisher took pity on her and placed him under his protection. She took the captain's name, and under the name of Kate Fisher, entered a convent school in St. Louis, graduating in 1869. At one point, Kate claimed to have married a dentist named Silas Melvin and to have borne him a child, although no record survives of either the marriage or the birth. She said that both husband and baby died of fever. This might be the truth, or simply a young girl's fanciful imagination. No one knows for sure. By 1874, Kate had made her way to Dodge City, Kansas, calling herself Kate Elder. She worked as a prostitute in a brothel run by Nellie Bessie Erp, wife of James Earp, an older brother of the better-known Virgil, Wyatt, and Morgan, the Earp brothers. Some historians speculate that she had a relationship with Wyatt, but Kate wrote that she did not meet him until several years later. All of this has been dug up by historians through the years. Kate's recorded background appears to have begun in a Fort Griffin, Texas saloon in the fall of 1877, where she met gunslinger and dentist Doc Holliday. An affair between them ensued, and she helped Doc escape from the law after he knifed a man in a barroom brawl, killing him on the spot. Doc was pretty wild himself and took lots of chances. He preferred a shotgun, but was good with pistols and knives as well. Wyatt Earp told a colorful tale of how Kate got Doc out of trouble in Fort Griffin. Doc was dealing cards to a local bully by the name of Ed Bailey, who was accustomed to having his own way without question. Bailey was unimpressed with Doc's reputation and in an attempt to irritate him, he kept picking up the discards and looking at them. Looking at the discards was strictly prohibited by the rules of western poker, a violation that could force the player to forfeit the pot. Though Holiday warned Bailey twice, Bailey ignored him and picked up the discards again. This time, Doc raked in the pot without showing his hand or saying a word. Bailey immediately brought out his pistol from under the table, but before the man could pull the trigger, Doc's lethal knife slashed the man across the stomach. Bailey lay sprawled across the table, his blood and gut spilling over the floor. Knowing that his actions were in self-defense, Doc didn't run. However, he was still arrested and imprisoned in a local hotel room, there being no jail in the town. Bully or not, a vigilante group formed to seek revenge. Knowing that the mob would quickly overtake the local lawman, Big Nose Kate devised a plan to free Holiday from his confines. Setting a fire to an old shed, it began to burn rapidly threatening to engulf the entire town. As everyone else was involved in fighting the fire, Kate, a pistol in each hand, confronted the officer guarding Holliday, disarmed him, and she and Doc escaped. Much later, in 1940, Kate herself explicitly denied that that ever happened. Then again, by that time, she was nearly 90 years old, and her memory might have been somewhat faulty. Hiding out during the night, they headed to Dodge City, Kansas, on stolen horses the next morning, registering at Deacon Cox's boarding house as Dr. and Mrs. J.H. Holliday. Doc so appreciated what Kate did for him that he was determined to make her happy and gave up gambling, hanging up his dentist's shingle once again. In return, Kate promised to give up the life of prostitution and stop hanging around the saloons, but neither resolution was to last for long. Kate and Doc spent the next few years together on the road. They went to Dodge City, Kansas, Deadwood, South Dakota, Las Vegas, New Mexico Territory, and Prescott, Arizona Territory. Their relationship was allegedly turbulent and sporadic. It is known that Kate rented a boarding house in Globe, Arizona Territory. In 1880, she also stayed for a time in the booming silver town of Tombstone, Arizona, where she prospered by running a Bordello. An inveterate gambler, Doc Holliday, had a great run playing faro and poker in Tucson, joining Kate in Tombstone later that year. The two renewed their relationship, and things returned to the erratic romance they'd previously had. We'll return to the story of Big Nose Kate right after these sponsor messages. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on Many a Night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, And now, back to our story. They did have a breakup, and here's the real story about how that happened. Holliday had been friendly with one of the actual robbers of a stagecoach robbery and was suspected of participating in that robbery and murder that occurred near Tombstone on March 15, 1881. Holliday's enemies discovered that he and Kate had just had a fight. They got her drunk and persuaded her to swear that he'd been involved. Holliday was arrested based on her testimony. The next day, a sober Kate recanted her story and Holliday was released from jail but their relationship never fully recovered. Kate went back to live in Globe, and in 1887 she traveled to Glenwood Springs, Colorado to see Holliday before he died. He actually spent some sick time in a cabin owned by one of Kate's brothers near Glenwood Springs, but he ultimately went into town to die, and Kate went with him. Since Holliday is known to have been destitute by this time, it is probable that Kate helped support him in his final months. After Holliday's death, Kate married George Cummings, a blacksmith by trade, in Colorado. The marriage lasted about a year, and the couple split up. Kate found work in Cochise, Arizona for a while, before taking a job with John Howard as a housekeeper in Dos Cabezas, Arizona, where she worked until his death in 1930. Using the name Cummings, Kate, increasingly frail, applied to the Arizona Pioneers Home, a state establishment in Prescott for elderly and destitute Arizona residents from frontier days. She was finally accepted after a six-month wait. Kate had never become a citizen of the United States. While there, the paparazzi of that day swooped down to find out about her life with Doc and their time in Tombstone. Kate wanted money to tell them, but they refused to pay. So, most of her story was never told. When she was 89, however, she wrote a letter revealing that she was with Doc in his room in Fly's boarding house, next to the O.K. Corral, and that she actually witnessed the shootout. Many details were included in her writings that strongly suggest she was telling the truth, and that's been gone over pretty fully by a lot of historians. In Kate's story, on the day of the gunfight, a man entered Fly's boarding house with a bandaged head and a rifle. He was looking for Holliday, who was still in bed after a night of gambling, during which he'd had one argument with Ike Clanton that had been stopped by onlookers. The man was turned away by Mrs. Fly. He was probably Ike Clanton, although how Clanton's head had come to be bandaged at that time of the day is unknown. Clanton was known to have headaches, and perhaps he'd been treated for that even before Virgil Earp hit him over the head and removed his weapons a short time later. In any case, Clanton's actually entering Holiday's rooming house with a rifle would have given Holiday and the Earps all the reason they needed to believe that a gunfight between Holliday and the Cowboys was inevitable. While Clanton was being disarmed, arrested, and taken before a judge, Kate claims that Holiday put on his clothes and went up to see the Earps. They had gathered at the corner of 5th Street and Allen, where they could keep an eye on the courtroom to the south, the O.K. Corral, a block west, and the various cowboys who were believed to be coming and going from out of town. Eventually, the Earps and Holliday walked down Fremont Street to confront the cowboys in the vacant lot west of Flies. Kate would have been able to see the fight just feet away from her window overlooking the vacant lot. In Kate's version of the gunfight, Holliday had a problem with his rifle after the shooting started. He threw it to the ground and drew his pistol. This report fits with what is known of the events, although what Holliday actually threw down would have been his double-barreled short shotgun, the gun he had emptied when killing Tom McClory. It is only from Kate that we know what happened after the fight. Doc Holliday went back to his room and examined a minor flesh wound on his hip, which he had gotten from a bullet fired by Frank McClory. He sat on the edge of the bed and wept from the shock of what had just happened. That was awful, Kate claims he said. Just awful. Kate stayed at the Arizona Pioneers home until her death on November 2, 1940, five days before her 90th birthday. Kate was a larger than life character who lived to see stories of her own life and death in that alleged gunfight in Bisbee, told as a legend of the Old West. In real life, she died in bed, having survived a world that was hard on both women and horses. Kate once said of life, Part is funny and part is sad, but such is life. Any way you take it. We hope you enjoyed this story at 1001 Stories from the Old West. We also do appreciate reviews, especially from you Apple listeners. So if you have a chance, please do send us a review. And if you have any friends who are fans of Old West stories, please let them know about this show. We come out once every two weeks on Sunday nights, wherever good podcasts are found. We do have a recent review we'd like to share. 1001 Stories of the Old West. Five stars. My favorite podcast, Love Your Matter-of-Fact Style. Keep them coming. That one from Guitar, Apple Podcast, U.S. Thank you so much. We appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until two weeks from now at 6 p.m. on a Sunday night, everybody stay safe, and we'll be back soon.